Hello, I'm Michelle. And I'm Laura. And this is the Pair Entrepreneurs Club podcast, a weekly show to help you navigate the demands of being a working parent. We will share lots of practical ideas, hints and tips, and our own and others' experiences of juggling work, family, health and finances. Above all, we want to help you find your purpose, define your identity and banish any confidence gremlins that might be holding you back from the life you dream of. No matter whether you have children or not, there will be something here for you. Let's get started. Thanks for joining this week's podcast. And today I'm joined by Isabel and Isabel's from I Am Career Self Actualization. So Isabel, is it okay just to hand over to you initially just to explain a little bit about your career history and how you've got to setting up your business? Yes. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm so excited to be uh, um, connected all, all um, halfway across the globe and uh, mm-hmm. to have that. So thanks, Michelle. And um, so, yeah, just very briefly about my background. I was born in Croatia. I grew up in Switzerland and um, I started my banking apprenticeship uh, in Switzerland, which uh, is quite a different education model, um, you know, in that particular country, which is really, really fantastic because um, as a young person, you basically get to work and study at the same time across over 200 industries. Um, you can, you know, uh, select your preferred choice. And um, so, yeah, I went into banking and basically for three years, you study and work at the same time. Your employer sponsors your education and uh, you also learn a, quite a nice salary actually for that age. And um, so, yeah, when you finish, you then you can basically then make your own choices whether you want to continue studying, whether you want to work full time, change industry. Uh, yeah, you can make up your mind. Um, you're 20 years old and financially quite independent, which is really, really great. So anyway, yeah, I continue working at ABN AMRO for the next couple of years. And then I wanted to go live and work in London. And they said, no, you're too junior, too inexperienced. And so anyway, I was looking for roles from Zurich in London and um, ended up at Deutsche Bank, Deutsche Bank London, where I was um, in total for 10 years, um, looking after clients in Southeast Europe and Israel, and um, and then went uh, to do different strategic work. And then that led me to Hong Kong. The same thing over here. Um, I was then also sent down to Mauritius to uh in a project to um, get people to do what they don't want to do because um, yeah the bank was um, de-risking several locations and um, and then after that I went to work for Bank of America for a while and um, and then at some stage we departed ways um, amicably yeah and so since then I've been on this really amazing transformative journey so basically I've been studying innovation and design thinking I have uh, volunteered at a local NGO which basically helps to bring uh, brand new goods which are donated by like all kinds of uh, companies and, and retailers so essentially yeah bringing goods to um, poor countries to countries in disaster relief um, it's so fulfilling just to be doing physical work packing up boxes and filling up containers and um, I'm presently also one of the um, steering um, steering members at Women in Finance Asia, career development and mentoring. And through that, I'm mentoring very, uh, several people across the finance industry. I've also been working or been a um, strategic advisor um, to Time Auction. And Time Auction is a local Hong Kong charity that, that promotes volunteerism. And so obviously through that engagement, um, it's also helping um, charities, things like fund, uh, fundraising, but also mentoring people. And um, so, yeah, I've put together 22 books, uh, photography books in a historical context. 
it's basically books um, or experiences of all kinds of travels, you know, like climbing the Machu Picchu or cycling through Cambodia and Vietnam, doing these uh, Trans-Siberian with friends and stuff like that. And, um, and so, yeah, I have always been very passionate about coaching. First of all, I have been uh, a very grateful recipient of different kinds of coaching, which have definitely helped me to to grow, to you know, get the next promotion, to whatever, pick myself up after a difficult experience in life. And um, and I feel very, very passionate um, the same way to empower other people, because yeah, all in all, it's a crazy world, uh, regardless how you look at it, and we all need to support each other one way and another. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's, that, you know, for me, that's that's the power of coaching, isn't it? To kind of have that, that sounding board and having someone to hold you to account. And particularly if you're going through those challenging transitional points. So if you don't mind me just pushing on that door a little bit, what, what kind of yeah. big decisions have you gone through? Because obviously leaving leaving um, the finance sector, I guess, is, is one of those. But what other struggles have you had along your career journey? Um, so I would definitely say, I mean, do you know what, you know, of course, you know, people always associate the finance industry, like, you know, we've been super ruthless and all of that. But then also when you speak to other friends in other industries, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's, it's paved with sugar and honey. Right? And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think I would definitely say, so what we're coaching has been completely trans, you know, transformative is actually the first time when I went to see a coach was actually uh, in 2012, I went over to Germany because um, when I was uh, when I was in Zurich visiting my family, I always go to the, uh, to the main like bookstore and um, and I saw this book that was basically like if you were trans translated one to one, it's called the Career Maker Book. And that lady, what she wrote in like 2009, how um, the whole like marketplace and like careers and how people land roles is going to change. I mean, you can almost say that woman was a prophet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Yes. And so when I read that book, I thought to myself, I'm going to just, yeah, book myself a long weekend, fly over to Hamburg. And she really taught me how to, first of all, she taught me um, certain things about myself through different kinds of um, you know, psychological tests. Uh, and you know how they say, know thyself, right? And um, and she also taught me how to dosage, you know, the office politics here and there, because especially like, you know, when you're young, in your formative years, you get a lot of beating in, in the corporate world. And of course, you're clueless, you need to learn. And um, and so, you know, that was very, very important. It doesn't mean you have to become very phony. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden you become a politician in the office. But that sort of dosaging, um, that was instrument, instrumental to also me landing my, um, you know, next promotion. And then the next year when I was sent to... Uh, a talent program to participate in a talent program we were working together with communications coaches and so one of the sessions i went up to the the coach that we had and i said hey would you would you would you be able to coach me like one-on-one -on -one? and um and yes the rest is history um and then yeah when i went into different roles i also engaged a business coach how to work together on some strategies and um so yeah all in all it can be really, really transformative. And I, th I think it's very important to, you know, have somebody like that. Absolutely. And obviously, having lived in different continents and countries, have you, have you found a difference in the appetite for coaching in different countries? Yeah, so I would definitely say that um, in Asia, you know, it's not, um, it's not, you know, what we discussed earlier, like in the States, everybody has a coach, right? And I, you know, you listen to some of these like entrepreneurs, they literally have like, I don't know, five to 10 coaches. <laughs> every single aspect of their life 
And um, so I would say that, um, you know, it is definitely something where people need to sort of, I don't know, um, you know, be, you know, trained or persuaded that actually, you know, this is very, very important uh, mm -hmm. because I think especially like in Asia, people are very used to just simply obeying authority and you do as you're told, you know, in the workplace, you respect what you're being instructed uh, to do. And, um, and however, I'm seeing, of course, you know, especially like the younger generation, right? Um, you know, they are um, very, very fond of learning. Uh, you know, they take learning very, very seriously. So, you know, if there's somebody in the workplace who offers themselves up to be a mentor and, uh, and they have a, a, let's say, a diverse background, um, you know, these guys are very, very willing to, um, you know, take, to take that on, to really, really embrace that. Um, and really, really try to, you know, implement also what they're being taught. And the wonderful thing about, you know, coming from the West to the East is that, um, again, you also have to sort of, you know, step back. You cannot try to teach people the same stuff that, let's say, I would try to teach somebody in the UK or in, or in the US, right? Because you always have to bear in mind that it's a different culture. But of course, also Asia is not Asia, right? You know, being Japanese is not the same like being a Hong Konger. It's not the same thing like being a Singaporean or being an Indian, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's the beauty with, um, you know, very, very um, diverse continent. Okay, absolutely, yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously you, you recognise that and you recognise the difference in the generational shifts as well. And I think for me, it's... It's, a, it's also an element post-COVID, isn't it, about people wanting that support and that kind of dialogue with individuals. Um, and, you know, I think from the conversations we've had with people, sometimes just actually working remotely, it's quite lonely and isolating. And that mm. never corporate role or whether you're self-employed, actually not having that somebody to kind of hold you to account um, and have that sounding board is, is, is sometimes a challenge. Um, so for you, I think you've got a fascinating background. And obviously moving from that corporate piece, what was that what was that deal breaker for you not to go back because I imagine you were inundated with offers you know you sound like you've got some talented positions you've worked for some of the major players in the finance sector how come you didn't kind of just go do you know what I'm going to take that step back and do something that's comfortable and normal to me how what, what kind of drove you to say no I want to do this I want to, to run my own business yeah it is I would definitely say uh, again just like we I think, again, I thought this is just me, but I, I'm, what I've been hearing a lot from, you know, whether it's young professionals or people with like literally 25 years of, of, of work experience is really there's a lot of sort of, um, as I call it, lots of like busy projects that people are inundated by and at the same time they don't then they're not they're not feeling it they're not sort of going like oh my goodness this is so amazing like I may have to work 12 hours every day for the next whatever eight months but I'm super excited about this. And um, it's very, very much, uh, a lot of people feel like, you know, they're just on autopilot, right? And so um, I feel sort of, you know, taking a step back and just being involved in a lot of a lot of different things, which is actually upskilling. And what I found also, for example, very, very, um, even for me, a challenge is actually when I am working together with these young professionals in terms of like advising them. But because we're not now in the same company, because remember, like I said before, I've been mentoring people for the last like 10 years, but everybody was always in the same company. But now doing that where I don't know the office politics, I don't know their manager, 
um, or I don't know the challenges of that firm or so, um, you know, that also is something where you really have to, um, you know, take a step back and really work harder, you know, in your brain, so to speak, of really listening where their problems are and how, and, and how you can help them. And all of these things have been um, a really, really nice challenge, right? I, they have been a challenge in the sense that, um, you know, it's a beautiful challenge to have, right? And I think if I had gone back like, you know, six months, even a year, um, you know, after after I left, um, I don't think that I would have had the time to really, you know, like process all of this and, 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 and also, you know, work on this, again, sort of going one one level deeper down in terms of, you know, what I'm good at and what I don't like, you know, so just like, you know, writing of the books and things like that, because even that, uh, I enjoy writing, but it's not just, if you want to write something in a more, you know, let's say more elaborate style, that's just not the same kind of writing. And let me just send a friend an email and tell them what I did last weekend, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so writing a book's not on your to-do list. <laughs> what, what else is, what, what do you want to do with the, the future of the business? What's your sort of next three to five year plan? Are you, you going to go uh, with the yeah, well, I would. I definitely want to do some further education and diplomas. I've actually been just even like yesterday sitting down and exploring some platforms. There is one um, like institute also in the states in California, and they basically offer neuroscience-based coaching, and that's something I'm very very interested in, right? Because of course, so many things we do based on what, how we are programmed, right? And how do we unwire these wires? And um, and this is definitely something that I want to do and just continue carving out that niche and working together in particular, you know, with young professionals and um, and of course, even like, you know, seasoned professionals, right? Because, you know, for them, things are not easy either, right? You know, after many years, you know, being sort of, let's say, used to a specific, particular environment and, you know, maybe you get thrown out of that or there's constantly restructuring, there is no... Um, get stability anymore right um i think that yeah in particular the the educational piece and um just listening what is actually happening in the market absolutely that transformational piece is massive isn't it particularly within the finance sector that you've come from you know it's it's an evolving sector and as you say the exec team are having challenges that they've probably never faced in their in their careers um i think exactly. Yeah, and, and you know what, but not necessarily even in finance industry, like my mom works in the, you know, in, for a very precious hotel in Switzerland or a mm -hmm. friend of mine works for a cafe and people are facing very, very similar challenges, you know, like in a different kinds of, you know, contracts people are getting all of a sudden and, and in lots of restructuring and, and you hear that even for friends like in the, um, um, like in the, in the, you know retail sector and yeah there's a lot of um there's a lot of lot of just changes happening and people don't know like where this is all leading absolutely yeah it's, it's kind of uncertain times isn't it i think we we spoke before we had our, our brief conversation about the fact that we both worked through the recession but actually probably covid is is probably has, has created a lot more of a of a change and transformational piece and and it's it's just continuing isn't it there's a, the lag that's happening and the way we we approach well our, our coaching styles to those individuals and those set of expectations that people have are so different than what they were five years ago um you know people okay. 
people want things and they also want it now we live in a high pace consumer environment don't we so this you know certainly something laura and i talk about with our business we get impatient because we want things to happen overnight um yeah. sometimes you know you actually need that coach yourself to say look be realistic you know do that coaching together and actually sit down and say this is not realistic we've got to kind of work through it but it's that it's that consumer environment we've got you know you can order something and it's here the next day and that's that's the environment we live and work in isn't it so we we want that thing those things to happen and happen quickly yeah yeah and i would also say what i'm um you know seeing more and more as well um you know especially again you know with the young professionals to sort of feel again like is this even making sense like let's just see what happens you know in this role if i don't like it i'm just gonna go somewhere else you know try and, and it's not actually because people don't want to learn and be disciplined or work you know longer hours or anything like that it's really people are missing the purpose and what i'm picking up as well especially like with people sort of in their you know mid to late 20s early 30s is that more and more are just um looking for that purpose in other sort of let's say um you can call it side hustles but also but some of them are really trying to actually make a business out of that i'm seeing things like uh, in one of my you know one of my you know clients or yeah coaching clients the um she's also for example somebody that you know, she wants to, um, she's getting different kinds of education in um certifications for yoga for pilates for nutrition um another one is, is setting up um, a startup with a friend it, lots of lots of stuff like that happening yeah absolutely uh, we've seen lots of people setting up those side hustles and i call them the hobby jobs you know some people have hobbies yeah and then they've actually become you know not 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 to dispel what they want to do with them but actually they are passion pieces the things that people have got an interest in and i've seen actually life you know it's, it's relatively too short and precious and so why work for somebody else in a corporate environment and kind of as you say that sense of purpose has kind of shifted so actually mm. do something myself control it um it was interesting when you said about the neuro neurolinguistics because both myself and laura and nlp coaches and for us it's always about that map of the world and i think that has changed quite significant for a lot of people you know those drivers and motivators are so different than what they were three or four years ago as well i know i know for myself not just by becoming a mum during that period but actually just you know money's less important for me uh, it's about lifestyle and where i live and the quality of life that i've got um yep. you know rewind 10 years ago when I was living in London you know the pace that was that was important for me then but my drivers and motivators have shifted quite significantly so if you were to give advice to your um 18 year old self because obviously the education system in Switzerland is fantastic isn't it and it sounds like they set you in such good stead to understand the working world against education whereas yeah. in the UK it's kind of secondary it's, it's you know kind of going through the academic route what advice would you give to your 18 year old self uh with or without the apprenticeship <laughs> <laughs> i suppose it's more about that career piece around would you would you kind of make the same career choices or was it kind of those sliding door opportunities where things arose that led you into paths um would you would um, you 18 year old do something different I mean, back then when i was looking for apprenticeships um you know in switzerland um you know it wasn't that easy at all because obviously you know like 20 25 years ago the sort of um you know let's say cultural attitude in terms of in let's say you know you know foreign nationals well you know was quite different which obviously you know these days is absolutely you know not a topic at all so you know it wasn't actually um you know that easy right but i've always wanted to sort of you know get into banking because i always wanted to either go into banking or be a psychologist <laughs> and uh, 
banking is, is ultimately a people's business, right? Um, you know, not because I wanted to smash out spreadsheets, that's something for me anyway. Um, but I would definitely say, so if I was to give myself, um, you know, as an 18-year-old, any kind of advice, it's definitely, obviously, especially like in the formative years of your 20s, not to take everything personally, because I took a lot, uh, like I said, you know, when you get the beating, I just took it very, very personally, right? Um, and um, because, and I think also learning from a young age to sort of have that filter. So when you get criticized in the workplace, really understand, okay, you know, which are really the things that I need to work on and really improve and how can I make proactive steps to achieve that? And which, what is the other stuff, which is just, I don't know, the ranting of a boss who's having a bad day or something like that, right? Um, I think that's really, really crucial. And then the other part is also, um, start saving and investing as soon as you can. I mean, even if it's like, if you, even if you're 18 years old and you can only save 10 pounds uh, because you know how the, two, you know, the, the importance of accumulated interest and when you're 18, when you're 25, you think you're going to be living forever. Um, but it's not the case. Time goes by super fast. So I would definitely say these two things. Yeah, and we hear that a lot from people who actually want to set their own businesses up. It's about affordability and not having that kind of comfort or actually having a plan where they want their career to end earlier and have that early retirement. But financially, they're not in that position. So that's that's fantastic advice. Um, I wish I'd taken that advice as well <laughs> because I'm in that situation. I like to buy the finer things when I've got the money in my bank. But um, yeah, I think it, it does impact on the choices that you then make from a career perspective quite significantly, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, totally. And with regards to um, sort of the coaching community, so, so our listeners, mostly probably demographic would be kind of more our ages, mid 30s, 40 year olds. What advice would you give to them? So if they were in a job that they weren't particularly enjoying and thinking about a transition, what advice would you give to them? Um, I would definitely say that there's kind of like two different things, right? You know, what are you really good at and what are you passionate about, right? Because um. I think, you know, both of these are, are just as important, right? Because, you know, I can be passionate about yeah, producing these photography books, but that's not going to pay my bills, right? So I think that is really, really important. And and also, you know, knowing yourself really, really well, right? I mean, some of the roles that I have done, I thought, okay, I'm just going to go into that role. I want to really, you know, be really, be really good at yeah, hammering out spreadsheets. I'm not saying like I want to become some kind of uh, master doing that, but like really become really good. And I just simply realized that, this is just nothing for me. It's 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 like I've really had so much admiration for my bosses who were like who was so good with like telling stories with numbers, and I really really wanted to do the same thing or achieve the same thing, um, or at least half as good. But then I just realized that in like my heart is not in it, right? Um, like I, I I like analyzing a spreadsheet over like maybe two or three hours, but just simply get bored and I switch off, right? And that sort of thing is really, really important. Again, knowing that yourself and also not try to how shall I say this? Um, I think when we say, when we talk about copying what other people do or looking over there, you know, I want to do the same thing because that looks fancy. They're doing this so, um, so well. Um, we attribute that very often with sort of teenagers or people in their 20s. But I've really learned now people can do this well into their 40s or even 50s. Um, and I think that's something that's really, really, I don't know, I would almost, I would almost say dangerous. Yeah. Um, because you're constantly trying to catch up with, I don't know, what society expects or what your circle are doing or whatever close friend that you've known for the last 20 years has been really, really good at. And um, and that is something that it will never work. Yeah, 
I completely yeah. agree. I completely agree. This career conformity and kind of living up to social norms. It's right. you might get told by a career a career advisor at school when you're 16, you're going to be good at this. And then actually mum and dad do this or cousins do this and you fall into things, not necessarily because it's what you want to do. But you also think I, I think we, we were talking about it briefly earlier with we? the, the perception from family members as well. You know, just the little comments that are passed at life transitional points are, are quite incredibly unhelpful and I think if you've not got that robustness and that confidence to kind of think actually I'm going to just I'm going to dismiss that I'm going to sidestep that but I'm not really bothered you will go and do a career that you're really passionate about where in reality I, I fell into construction because my dad worked in construction mm -hmm. <laughs> never ever thought growing up I would work in construction but it was again it was an opportunity where a door was opened within a business mm -hmm worked in so was it really what I wanted to do no it was probably because an opportunity presented itself and it was an element of conformity I knew my mum and dad were happy it was a big international business it gave me security financial yeah. security but if I look back now would, would is it the right choice for me probably not it was um yeah it's probably not the right alignment to my values and my principles as a business and that's what led, made me leave three years down the line so completely agree with that point I think that is so important isn't it to, to kind of yeah from those norms and know what you're good at and know what you want to do and actually be have the confidence and the conviction to follow that through yeah yeah no absolutely and i think that it's also the sort of the other thing as well what i've also learned from you know life coach when i was um in, you know one of the roles where i was really really struggling um just to sort of you know identify you know with with the whole purpose of you know what we were doing and then she 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 said to me you know you have to you have to see or is actually the values of your senior managers is that aligning with you and initially i thought this is just some kind of like life coaching fluff <laughs> but like, one of the biggest lessons that i've learned um you know in that space of you know as in life coaching and and it's so very true and it just it, it just didn't um after you know some serious analysis it just simply didn't and that's why like you know on a soul level on a psychological level you know what what their sort of purpose or importance was i actually didn't care about right and uh yeah completely agree that's why i left my business my previous business it was a bit you know i literally joined it thinking the values aligned but actually over time those microcultures came in and was delivering a message about redundancy that I knew I knew I just didn't believe in. And it wasn't a moral crusade principle. It was actually fundamentally that I didn't agree with what they were doing. And I think if you've got to deliver those messages and in a position where you've given that seniority in that position, then actually you've yeah. got alignment 100%. Because otherwise you go to bed and think, what am I doing? Why am I doing this job? So, yeah, yeah. for me quite a quick transition for me to leave but um yeah sometimes you need that spotlighting don't you and you need a coach to actually say this is this is a disalignment and this is potentially what's at play so yeah completely agree with that um just to find out um i think it's, it's been a fantastic conversation thoroughly enjoyed it um recommended reads obviously you mentioned the book that you went to to read in zurich in the bookshop is there anything another another sort of book that you've read through the, your career um coaching conversations that you've had um, so I would definitely say I love Brendan Bouchard. I mean, he is um, because when I got into into the whole um, you know motivational speaking and that you can really rewire your brains and you can really change your destiny and and whatever, whatever that was sort of you know ten twelve years ago. And I originally started listening to the likes of uh, Brian Tracy, Eat That Frog. You know, you know the book that talks about <laughs> eat the task that you, just eat, <laughs> do the task in the morning that you hate the most and yeah. don't procrastinate. 
And, um, and obviously also Jack Canfield, yeah, sort of the forefathers of motivational speaking and transformation and career and all of that. But I really, really love Brendan Bouchard and, um, and his book um, that's called High Performance Habits, How Extraordinary People Become That Way. That is really sort of the, I mean, you can call it transformation, but just high performance, you know, Bible, so to speak. And of course, you know, high performance doesn't mean that you you become a CEO and an athlete at the same time, but it's just become, it, it's about how do you maintain the level of discipline and enthusiasm, especially actually when um, the going gets tough. And he's done a lot of like studies, um, extensive studies, in the workplace or people who run their own companies but yeah athletes or actors and or politicians so really really across the spectrum it's i highly recommend it super we'll be sure to put the link in our um, in our podcast thank you so much for your time today i really appreciate it and it's been lovely to speak to you and um, and we'll be sure to link your instagram as well onto our podcast thanks thank you ever so much isabel Yes, likewise. It was really, really fantastic. And thank you so much, Michelle. No worries. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye then. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We rely heavily on word of mouth. So if you found value in this episode, please hit subscribe and share it with family and friends. If you'd like to find out a bit more about us, you can find us on our Facebook group, Pair Entrepreneurs Club, or alternatively on Instagram, Entrepreneurs underscore club. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to talking to you next time.